BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. Today's guest, Paul Tracy, once again. It's part two of a two part series, a race humentary, if you will. Uh, in part one, we learned that Paul and his dad used to show up at the track in dad's Rolls Royce with a go-kart and equipment in the trunk of the back seat. That was a highlight. Uh, we took you all the way through 1997 with Penske Racing when PT may have referred to his car as a piece of crap to local media and something about the Penske chassis being obsolete and that they should switch tire manufacturers. And that did not end well, or did it, because he still had... A great career going forward. There are a couple of things we want to cover first, though. Controversy in NASCAR over the weekend, the SRX Series Saturday night. Once again, here is Mike Wallace. Well, guys, it was a big weekend in, in motorsports. We had the SRX race on, on Saturday night, and, of course, Paul Tracy was in that race. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But since Paul's with us, Paul, big controversy at Pocono after the race yesterday. They disqualified Denny Hamlin number 11, and the 18 car of Kyle Busch. And they say after the cars went through tech inspection, 
that they pulled the front vinyl wrap off the nose of the cars and they found an unapproved material in places that it wouldn't be or shouldn't be. And uh, so I take that back in the day, <clears throat> day, and you would know you've been to Daytona in a Bush Series car, nationwide car at the time. We used to take and put, you know, Bondo body putty in corners and massage on them and shape them that. But NASCAR, when they built this new Gen 6 car, they said, like, lights out, guys. No messing with yeah. the bodies, you know. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So what's your perspective on that? You may not be tuned in on it totally, but uh, I think you've heard everybody in the world's heard a little bit about it. Well, I know that NASCAR's policy has always been, you know, they don't want to confuse the fans by presenting a trophy to the winner of a race. And then when everybody goes home, somebody else is the winner. But I guess they've drawn such a hard line in terms of this new car. And they've been coming down, you know, Mike, since the, the car of tomorrow that if you fool around you're going to get hit punched right between the eyes by nascar right uh whether it's financially or you know points or crew chief suspensions or you know they're going to hit you hard right so i don't you know they've taken the win away from denny he you know i guess he won the race i don't know how how much he dominated it but uh you know, they found something that wasn't correct. You know, you got a, a a factory piece from them with a serial number on it, and it's been and now it's been altered, right? So, they uh, they've stripped him of the win, and and ironically, Chase Elliott wins after coming off of flying in there last second to SRX and and putting it on us there. <laughs> well, he had a great weekend, right? I, I watched a piece on. Uh... Chase this morning asking uh, someone, Bob Pockris, asking how he's going to get the trophy back from Denny Hamlin from Pocono. And he goes, I don't really care about it. If he wants to give it to me, great. If he wants to keep it, so be it. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, what a cool attitude there. You win the SRX race, you come back, you... Uh, well, I wish I wish Helio had that same feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, we just needed to highlight that a little bit. So, big day in NASCAR, again, from, from Sunday, two cars deemed disqualified. First time since 1960 that it's happened. Normally, there's big fines and penalties that come about it, but nobody gets disqualified. So, I guess that we're going to wait today. Rich, what do you think? I think they're saying later today they're going to determine whether they were had till oh, noon would, today would, to appeal. I it. would guarantee. I would guarantee there's more coming. You would think so, wouldn't you, you Paul? Know. Yeah, I mean, you 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 were you were racing when the car of tomorrow first came in, and you know that when if when guys would get caught fooling around with those and like try, trying to alter the body and not fitting the template, I mean, they hit you hard, you know. Yeah, Paul, answer me a question if you don't mind. In the IndyCar world or open wheel world, are there body rules there? Is there? Any? Oh yeah, there is. Okay, so that's. They, yeah, I mean everything is everything is a Delara piece, and you're. I mean, there's some areas of the car that are open to you for you to develop, but I mean, there's a, a lot of it that is not. Um, you know, they do fine you if they if you get caught fooling around. There's really hasn't been a lot of people gotten caught doing anything major, but there has. You know, there has been, there has been from time to time things. You know, guys get you know, either running, you know, too low or, you know, something was, was altered, but they don't, they don't hit the teams like with the kind of fines 
that you you get in in NASCAR. Like like they'll hit you with some points and some ten thousand dollar fine, which is really nothing. And you know NASCAR is gonna they're gonna hit you with a hundred thousand dollar fine. Your crew chief is suspended for six weeks, eight weeks, whatever, right? So that that's a big big you know big deal. Yeah, without a doubt. Jeff Kent, that uh, pr- pretty big deal, right? Well, they say of the crew chiefs in NASCAR, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Does that relate to IndyCar as well, Paul? Is, is that the same way it is there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think if you look at it back in the day, like back in the A.J. Foyt days and then the day, early days of NASCAR, guys were always, you know, and it seems to be more prevalent in NASCAR than, than, than open wheel racing. Um you know, just simply because you're you're dealing with you know, with the air, with the stock cars, with the air at Daytona, and like, you know, Mike, you know, getting those cars to run fast on super speedways, it's it's all tiny little manipulations of of tiny little things, and you know, and I, I guess it's the same in IndyCar. It's it, you know, you don't change one thing and it makes a car half a second faster. It's 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 fifty little things that make a car half a second faster, right? So. Um, those are the, those are the things now it's all racing nowadays. It's all the tiny, tiny little details that you have to be on top of. You know, you're not just going to say, Oh, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a right rear spring in this thing and I'm going to go a second, a lap quicker, you know? Yeah. Well, we got that figured out now. So the big story of the weekend though, besides that, that was kind of a big deal yesterday, but it was Saturday night in Sharon, Ohio for the SRX race. Another mud fest. Yeah, and, and, man, if, man. and if I may say, Paul, <laughs> you left a little battered and bruised over that night. Oh my God, it was that was the. Uh, I'll break the whole thing down. So we get there, and uh, at about three o'clock in the afternoon, we're set to practice at at four, and at three o'clock in the afternoon, they were prepping the track, getting it ready, and it rained like crazy for forty minutes. Like it downpoured like a monsoon track was completely flooded and uh, they didn't really have enough time to prep the track the way they wanted to. And it was soaking wet. And uh, we finally got practice going at about quarter to five. And it was, I had never been on anything as slippery as that in my life. <laughs> it looked, like, yeah, it I know it's what it looked like. Was like. It literally was like, you know, George Clay, you know, hard packed, hard as a rock with water on top of it. (laughs) It was was literally, if you'd slide down on your shoes, you'd slide down the track on your your feet, you know? So, I mean, if practice went good for me, you know, I went out. I don't know how hard guys were running, but practice went good. I went out. It was fourth quick in practice and uh, went into the race, and I – it was – they watered the track again for some reason. <laughs> and uh, I went into turn three and I, I literally, Mike, I got in there probably 10 feet deeper on the throttle than I, than I went the previous lap. And it started, it started sliding up the track and I couldn't stop it from sliding. I'm sliding, sliding, sliding. And, and Michael was beside me and, I said, okay, well, when I hit him, I'm going to stop sliding because eight wheels are better than four. <laughs> and then that start, you know, it was so slick that it started him sliding, and then we were both spinning, and then you know everybody behind us is on the brakes and they're sliding, and 
all running into each other and that pretty much summed up the whole night i mean it was <laughs> the track was every single driver said this is the slipperiest i've ever been on and you know and and uh i was basically just survived the rest of the night i got a you know i got a flat tire i got spun out i got you know had marco behind me and at the very end i had marco and newman behind me and i was running like ninth or something like that or, or eighth eighth seventh eighth and i saw that you know, Marco had all kinds of issues. He crashed in Newman and broke his wrist and hit the wall again. And <laughs> Newman got a flat. And I'm like, I saw them behind me. And I'm like, I'm just going to let them go by because I don't even want to be involved in this deal. <laughs> you know, it was already a bad night. So the 10th is no different to me than a 7th, right? So I, I just got out of their way and let them go by. And, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it was a crazy, crazy race. But, you know, smoke you know, he put on another show. I mean, he's so good on dirt and I don't know if he, I don't know if he let chase win or not, but he started last and drove to the front and was in the lead and then battled it out with, with chase at the end and chase ended up winning. But, you know, you know, Tony's, he's so good. I mean, I, I always, I always knew Mike that he was a great driver, but I never knew that he, I never knew that how, ta how talented he is. He's, he's truly an amazing talent. So when you just said that, it's always made me think, and I want your opinion on this. You know, you're a great race car driver and one of the best there's ever been. But when you see a, a talent like a Tony Stewart, does it does it kind of awe you after you realize how good he is? I mean, do you kind of – or do you go, well, you know, kind of don't pay attention to it, but do – you know, drivers are hard to give – uh, you know, they don't like to compliment other drivers very much. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when you're when you're young, Mike, you you want to you got to have the confidence and you got to think think of yourself as the best. And you know, but now my my career's over, right? So I'm I'm only doing this for fun. And you know, and I never really got a chance to race against Tony okay. in my career. You know, and he raced Indy cars, and I was during the split time. You know, coming up, he came up through sprint cars, and then when the IRL formed during this cart IRL split, he, he won a championship in, in the IRL. Then he went to NASCAR and then won three NASCAR championships. And he's in the hall of fame and, you know, almost won the 24 hours of Daytona road racing. So, you know, obviously I know he's a, he's an amazing driver because you don't win the amount of races that he does if you're, if you're average. Right. But, you know, but uh, my accomplishments are pretty good but no they're nowhere near on the level of uh, on the level of his but now that i've actually gotten to know him personally and become a friend and raced wheel to wheel with him and see how he does everything i mean he he truly is an amazing talent yeah i my my older brother rusty made a comment about tony and again it's hard to have drivers actually compliment other drivers but tony and i've been buddies for a long time and i, I get along with him great and i admire what he does but you were mentioning about him about winning the 24-hour race at Daytona. My brother Rusty was involved driving well, for Ru somebody. Rusty, Rusty's the Rusty's the best that ever was. Just ask him, right? Just say. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said Rusty's the best that ever was. All you got to do is ask. Him, right? That's what we're both laughing about. <laughs> no, we heard exactly what you said. But we were. He was talking. We we're just about Tony Stewart. And we'll get off this in just a second. I guess at one time, Rusty had an opportunity to run that 24-hour race or practice one of those cars, and he's telling me how difficult it was, and he says, and here, Tony Stewart just hauls ass by him like he's sitting still, and he says, that guy's good. He's got overall just car control, but uh, we'll, we'll get off of that, and uh, so 
SRX, did you overall season? Did you enjoy it for the year? You uh, don't know what. It, uh, I did. I mean, I, I, I feel I did better than last year. I, I had goals this year of winning a heat race. I, uh, I didn't get that done. I was le- I led more laps than I did last year. Um, I wasn't able to win a heat race. Uh, I got spun out more times than I did last year. I got dumped three times out of six races for, for no reason. I, I didn't dump anybody through, through the whole thing or spin anybody out. Certainly use the bumper and use the doors and, and all that kind of stuff. But you know, the racing this year, you know, I just had a conversation with Ray an, an hour ago. I was talking to Ray every and, and he's not, not really that involved with it anymore. And he said, I don't know. I just don't know what happened. Why you guys are crashing so much. I said, well, I said, when you sold everybody on this deal when, in the first year, everybody was like, kind of like, hey, let's go have some fun and put on a TV show. And, and now, there's a, now there's a big prize check to win <laughs> and, a, and, a really cool, and a really cool trophy that lights up, yeah. you know? And, and, and now it's like you go, you go tuning into Twitter and Instagram and Reddit and then see people talking about you. Hey, that guy, that guy sucks. He shouldn't be in there anymore. So – you don't want to be the guy that finishes last and sucks. And, and now you got a bunch of prizes and money. So guys are, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard racing now. Like when nobody's out there goofing around and having fun, it's a, you know, it's a real, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real deal, but this isn't, you know, it's supposed to be a TV show first. So they've got to figure out, going forward because there's a lot of stuff getting wrecked do you, right? do you think that uh, and we're going to take a break in just a second here do you think that the srx series and and it seems like a lot of people like the saturday night concept it's just something you know gives you a couple hours to do i think jeff Absolutely. has been watching it you know it gives you a little extra beer drinking time or whatever uh do you think that that series needs more stick to the asphalt world or do you think the dirt world fits it also i think having a couple dirt races is fine uh, I think it's it's you got to find places that you know. I think the ban- the more the more banked dirt tracks are are better for this car than the flat ones. Uh, or like Knoxville was flat and this Sharon was flat and the cars are too heavy. You know they're 3,500 pounds and they got lots of power and the banking helps help helps them get around the corner for sure. So the, I think the show is better with a more banked dirt track. Okay, well let's do, do this. Let's take a break. I'd go two max on the dirt, and I'd say don't race for the championship. No, the, don't let a dirt track decide the championship. That's, there you go. Those are my two cents. All right, let's take a break and come back to the career of Paul Tracy. We're talking to Paul Tracy. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. This is Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. Continuing part two of the two-part series with Paul Tracy. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Paul, last time we talked, it was just we, we stopped at a point where you were driving for Team Cool or Cool uh, you had had the opportunity at the awards banquet to tell Roger Penske, hey, I'm glad you took my advice and got that Raynar and the Firestone. 
So let's pick it up from yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I left, obviously left the team, and I got a job, another, another ride right away. Uh, within 24 hours, I'd signed with with Cool and taken a you know pretty big salary pay cut but that's i think what would you call it a haircut it'll be interesting to see with all this controversy in nascar but talking about haircuts we were talking last week whether kyle bush is going to take one now that ty gibbs jumped in and ran a top 15 in his first one yeah. run so that's, yeah he, he made haircuts, a, a statement for himself didn't he <laughs> yeah so i i joined team cool green uh i got you know support from honda uh great team uh had a lot of success there i had some you know had some really good years and i had some average years but was teammated with dario franchiti um you know i guess the big thing out of that time that i was with them was the o2 indy 500 and you know finishing you know second or first or however you want to <laughs> look it, at that but uh, explain that, that controversy that yeah. was the big controversy and it was me it was again it was me against roger you know? Explain what happened there, because I think a lot of racers have heard about it. Uh, Jeff Kent was—he wants to know the details of his baby. <laughs> I remember watching the race, but uh, I need to know it from your perspective. So, well, we're we're coming down to the end of the race, and and uh, you know, I was not have—I started at the back and and was on the verge of being lapped a couple times because I was stuck at the back and just couldn't move forward that that great. And, and caught yellows in the right time and and was on a slightly different fuel strategy than the leaders and then it came down to the end the final 15 laps and i had you know i had slight you know slightly more fuel than the guys i was running against and you know the front few guys were marginal on making it on fuel so I started chasing, chasing them down, and then with you know ten laps to go, I'm running fifth, and then I'm running fourth, and then I'm running third, and then I'm running second, and with you know three laps to go, I'm behind, I'm chasing Elio down. I'm full on fuel. He's trying to conserve and make it to the end. You know, I get him lined up, come down the back straightaway, and I'm making a pass on him on the outside of turn three, pass him around the outside, and there's a crash behind us. You know, as I as I come out of turn three, I'm ahead. I get to turn four. The yellow lights come on, and I'm ahead. So, and that's that's it. The race is over. It's ending under yellow. Uh, the IRL decides that they're going to revert the running order back to the previous lap instead of the time instead of the timing markers in the track. And you know, Mike, when you've raced at Daytona, when the light when the yellow light comes on. They can position all the cars where they are based off of timing lines in the track, right? Sure. They don't. They don't, re, they don't revert the running order back to the previous lap, especially for the, the finish of a race, right? And you were coming to the checkered at this point, or was yes okay? Yeah. Yep. So I I I crossed the checkered line. I could cross the finish line first. That when the checkered came out, I was ahead when the yellow light came on, but they they reversed the running order back to the previous lap and awarded Elio as the winner. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's never been done in the history of the Indianapolis 500. I don't think it's ever been done in the history of stock car racing where you had somebody, you know, yeah, finish first and they, and they reverted the order back to the previous lap. So, you know, technically the race was the Indianapolis 499, not 500, mm. you know? 
for 497 and a half, you could call it. Yeah. Right? So Barry Green uh, protests the finish of the race. We uh, wait a month and a half to right, gather all this evidence, video evidence that the, the Speedway owns. They have Indianapolis Motor Speedway Productions. Uh, they let us go through all the video footage. We get you know photos. We get all the stuff, all the timing line data. And it, we present all this stuff that, you know, I was ahead by about a car length when, when the yellow light actually came on. And uh, we present all this, and, and Roger comes in and for this court hearing we had, and he presents a rule in the rule book that says the chief steward uh, can make any call is a judgment call. Any any ruling by the chief steward can be classified as a judgment call by him and is unprotestable. Hmm. <laughs> and, and, and that, I mean, that's a total kick in the crotch. I just yeah. don't understand. So I mean, you know, we we leave we leave with all this evidence of of, of video and pictures and, and timing line data and you know TV. Uh, you know, like the running running time, like the time of day that runs on a right. on a camera when it's running, right? So, all this stuff, and Roger's got this one four line, you know, our written thing that says that they can change the, the rules the, whenever the, they want, basically. Yeah, and we leave there thinking, oh well, we had a great case. I mean, it's, it's undisputable, right? And and a month goes by, and Tony George calls a press conference and basically comes out and says, uh, we've disallowed the, the protest hearing. And this is, this is the rule of the rule book. So mm. it was a kangaroo, kangaroo court. You know? Man, I'll tell you what, it probably wasn't then the, looking at it now, it probably wasn't good that you told them to get a Raynar with Firestone tires. Was it? <laughs> I'm trying to be well, funny. The, cra- the, crazy, <laughs> the thing that drives me crazy about it is like, you know, Irregardless of whether I won or didn't win, mm-hmm. the thing that the thing that's crazy to me, Mike, is like that was probably top three closest finishes in the history of the Indy 500. The most controversial finish in the Indy 500 in history, and, n- and nobody will talk about it at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They won't show a highlight of it. They won't show, uh, you know, when they show closest finishes in history and all this stuff from the Indy 500, they skim right over that. If, right. if you ask, if you ask Elio about the O2 Indy 500, he has no comment on it. You know. Mm. Well, that uh, that's a shame. That's all I can say there. I mean, you you raced your guts out. You deserved if everything was lined up and you were the winner. You should have been the winner. And uh, but we'll never we'll never know any different, right? So after that. Uh, how long did it take you? I shouldn't use the word. What, what did your team say when Tony George comes out and says, "Oh, we're we're going to disallow any uh, any protests," and the race was final? Is like I mean, what can I mean? What can you say? Well, you I know? mean, was it like, "Oh, well, hell with them. We'll go show them. We'll go win a bunch of races." Or well, just... it, it 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 created a huge ripple effect for for our team. You know, I was I was obviously very pissed off about it, and I'm still pissed off to this day about it. Not not as much as I was 20 years ago, but. Um, you know, Barry Green uh, that I was driving for 
decided to quit the sport over it and sold his team to Michael Andretti. And then Michael Andretti took his team uh, and decided to go into the IRL and, and abandon CART because that was still during the split at that time, CART and IRL. And then, then, then I had another crossroads. You know, Michael bought the team from Barry, and uh, he was taking it to the IRL and asked me to continue to keep driving for him. They had 7-Eleven as the sponsor, and he said, hey, we want to re-sign you to a new contract, but we're going we're gonna to go in the IRL. You know, and I was like, screw that. <laughs> That's the last place that I want to go racing after after how I got bent over at the 500. Yeah, the 500 right? was so, run under the IRL rules because you yeah. said Tony George. So, yeah. Yeah. So players came along, and actually Cool, cool and Players were owned by the same uh, – tobacco brand and it was they were just you know two different two different brands within the same company so uh the guy who ran the cool program went back to canada to work for players and he said to me um you know we're gonna we want to win the championship in cart and i want you to drive for me and and sign with jerry forsyth and and that's what i did i I left Team Cool Green and I went went to the Players Foresight team, which is, you know, same same tobacco company, two different brands, but the same guy wrote, was was running both programs, and I kind of I kind of went with him. Oh, there you go. Who was Jerry Forsyth? I heard his name. I'd never met him. Never knew who he was. What did he do? How did he get into sport? Well, Jerry was a he, Jerry Forsyth was a long time uh, IndyCar owner. He he had cars all the way back into the into the early eighties. I think he ran at one time Poncho Carter and ran um, Jose Lee Garza and Teo Fabi. And he was always kind of involved in, in IndyCar as a one-car operation, uh, a guy with a tremendous amount of money. He has a, has a, a lot of different businesses and a lot of different interests. And uh, he was now the owner of, of CART. He, he had bought CART from, from – it was a public company at one time, and, and it, then it went – bankrupt and he bought it out of he, he bought cart and then asked me to drive for him and and be the kind of the face and the driver of 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 cart which turned into the into the champ car world series gotcha you know you hear that as a person who's been in racing you hear different names and it's like i have no idea who this person was but he had cool looking cars and you yeah. guys ran off a well in him it seemed like well, he was a tremendous, you know, road racing guy. Not so crazy about ovals, but they he won won, won some races. He was when Jacques Villeneuve was was uh, series champion in kart in 1995. It was Barry Green and, and Jerry Forsyth were were partners on that car. So um, he they'd won he'd won a championship before. I knew his capability, so they asked me to come drive for them and they wanted to win the win the championship and that's what i was able to do in 2003 i want i finally i felt had a team around me that i basically handpicked everybody that i wanted to be on the team i I basically picked my engineer and i picked my second engineer and i picked my crew chief and i want you know all it was all guys that i'd worked with in the past and got them to come work with me at, at this team and i finally felt like i had everybody pulling in the same direction that that i wanted to go in and uh that year i won you know i won seven races and uh seven poles and and you know led the most laps and you know won the championship that year 
Well, that, that was an incredible year, wasn't it, Jeff? Seven Absolutely. wins, seven poles, a yeah, championship. Okay. So, so at this time, are you still racing in the kart series then? Does kart still exist? Yes, yeah, kart okay. still exists. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So okay. kart went on from 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 uh, 02 till it finally, you know, that the split ended in 2008. They, they merged back together in 2008. And I drove for, for Jerry Forsythe from 2003 till 2008. And at that time he, he just, they decided that he was, you know, they, he had partners in, in cart and they decided to merge the thing back together. And, uh, that was kind of the end of the road. I mean, Forsythe decided to quit racing, uh, and I was kind of left with no seat. The, you know, music the music stopped, and there was no more seats left for me because <laughs> now you got you got you, two championships of twenty cars. You know, the IRL and card, and then all of a sudden, it, when it merges, you know, the smaller teams kind of fall to the wayside, and and you know, now you've only got twenty five cars, and you know, and the music stops, and there's no chairs for you. You know. That's that, and I'm I'm trying to be humorous about this right now. That's kind of like you ever watch the rodeo where they play poker in the bull, and you get down the last one, and the bull throws you out of the chair. You don't have a seat anymore, and so yeah, yeah. So uh, so when they merged back together, then it, was it still called the Indy Racing League? Uh yeah, it was still called. Well, I think they changed it into IndyCar then. That they, okay. the name changed from from the Indy Racing League to to uh, IndyCar. Gotcha. Got you. Well, let's take so, a break and come back I, and talk a little bit more about your career. We'll get the update when we come back. We're talking to Paul Tracy, and you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. We're going through the career of the one and only thrill from West Hill, Paul Tracy. And once again, here's Mike Wallace. You know what was crazy the other day, Paul? I'm out cutting grass, and I'm, uh, I put on our podcast from last week, <laughs> and I started – repeating the thrill of West Hill to myself. <laughs> it's like, why am I keep saying this? You, know? you did a fine job on the lawn, yeah. too. I saw you posted it on Facebook. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a, don't tell anybody, I was, my wife always gives me a hard time, says I spend too much time cutting the grass, not enough time with her. Well, you got it striped up real nice. Yeah, so I, the, the pictures yeah. look yeah. good, and I thought, you know what? Let's see if everybody else condemns my grass cutting or not. Nice. <laughs> it was all good. So uh, yeah. So so as I'm driving for Forsyth during that time from '03 to '08, you know I'm getting I'm getting up there now in age. I'm getting up in my late 30s, and you know, and I was and, and I was getting some interest from from NASCAR, and people were talking. You know, NASCAR was exploding in terms of its popularity during during that time frame, right? You know, mm -hmm. you know big tracks and big crowds and big money and big sponsors and, you know, merchandise and you know, die casts and guys were making tens of millions of dollars. Right. So I, uh, I, I, in 06, I said to Forsyth, I said, Hey, I, you know, I think I want to try NASCAR. And he goes, well, you know, I'd like you to continue driving for me as long as you want to drive for me and until you want to retire. And, he goes, why don't you go try it first and see if you like it, <laughs> you know? And uh, so I, I, I 
was able to put a deal together and, and with Doug Barnett found found some money for me from uh, from some various sponsors that he'd worked with and and uh, I thought you know I go I'll go give it a try I actually did a test I did a test for Childress I got back up here because I'm getting ahead of myself so I did a test for Childress and uh, the test went really well and, and it, it was at that time Richard was going to expand to a fourth car. And uh, he had this Jack Daniels deal, and uh, I went and tested at Michigan. The test went pretty good. I was actually surprised because it was – I remember the test. It was super hot. And uh, and I went out on the track on my first lap out, Mike, and I went around the track, and I came down the front straightaway. I got into it coming off the pits, go down the back straightaway, go around three and four, come down the front straightaway, and I lifted out of it way early. I felt like I was just doing a warm-up lap, you know, like a cruise around lap. And I roll through turn one and then I pick up the power pretty early, come back around and just kind of take it easy and run a time. And I never got close to that lap time again for the rest of the day. I was after that I was driving it in too hard and going into the corner too fast and getting tight and going up the track and getting loose coming off and like my it showed me exactly that to be successful in, in an Indy car, you have to, or in NASCAR, you have to do the exact opposite of what you do in an Indy car. You got to roll the corners and get, you know, get it in easy and get it turned and get off the corners way faster than driving it in there like a maniac. You know? <laughs> yeah. That was, that was part of my problem my whole career. But I remember early in my career, someone told me, good driver at that time, I forget who it was, he says, look, you have to learn how to go slow to yeah, go to fast. Go faster. Wasn't that yeah. Richard Petty? Yeah, I, don't know that. <laughs> I forget who it was. And it's like, that's the dumbest statement I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. You know, no, but it was it's true. Totally and, true. Uh, and it's so much yeah. easier to drive them things way down in the corner, you know, and it's like, <laughs> lift slow, you know, but so you did the test and, but with, with Childress yeah. and you realize your lap well, he, speeds, but so where did it go from there? I, did you test all day? It was just a couple hour test? Well, I had a, no, it was an all day test. It was a, like a big open cup test at Michigan. Okay. So everything went well. And then we, uh, I sat down and met with, with Richard and, and uh, my manager and, you know, I've got this open-ended contract with, with Forsyth and I'm making, he's paying me three and a half million dollars a year. Hello. And uh, I'm racing 16 races a year. Uh, you know, I'm not having to do any sponsor appearances. You know, the, the testing's pretty light. You know, it's a pretty pretty nice deal, right? I'm the big dog. I'm the big fish in the small in, in the small pond, right? So I go and I, I sit down with with Richard, and go you know go to his office and and uh, he says, well, I got uh, Clint Boyer's gonna sign this deal for, you know, I must, you know, Paul wants a deal. I'm, I'll pay him, you know, 700 grand and, you know, a percentage of the prize money and a percentage of the merchandise and blah, blah, blah. But the base is going to start at 700 grand. So, I mean, I, I'm thinking, shit. 700 grand races, to 3.5 million. 40, a lot of difference, 40, right? 40 races versus 15. You know, and then you know how that is. You know, you got to factor in. Okay, it's I got to go do forty races, and I'm gonna get set. You know, seven fifty. You know, I know the prize money is huge, and I know a lot of guys make a lot of money on prize money. But you got to have all the stuff to do these forty races. You got to get a plane. 
you got to rent a plane, you got to have a motor home, you got to do, and there's all these other ex- expenses, right, that are, that are expensive in NASCAR, you know? So I just said, you know, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and I'll just try to do some more, do some more races in, in NASCAR. So then this deal that came along with Doug uh, to run in, in nationwide, or which was at the time it was nationwide. And I just get some experience and then run a few more years in IndyCar. Uh, and then when I'm ready to retire, I'll try to transition into, into, into NASCAR. Ran with a very small team, um, a guy named Frank Cece. I don't know if you recall him yeah. or not, but he was a very small team, you know, guy who tried hard, but just, you know, didn't have the money, didn't have the cars, you know, bought, bought used equipment and, and at that time, you were still racing, Mike, and you know as, as well as I do the big, the big mega teams like, you know, Childress and Gibbs and all these guys were running their Cup guys in the Nationwide Series at that time. So trying to compete against those guys was tough. With when you're buying, you know, this Frank Frank CC was buying wrecked cars from Yai and putting a new clip on it and tr- you know, just trying to run off a budget, and then of, you're not racing, yeah, and then the guys you're racing against don't have a budget. You know, basically. Yeah. So then, I I thought I thought I'm such a great driver at the time that I can I can run with these guys, and that's not the case. These these guys are really good at what they do, and 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 you can be really good, but if you don't have the right equipment in NASCAR and the right stuff, you I mean you you know as well as I do, Mike. You you see you've seen the last couple of years at times Hendrick struggle, and they got more money and they got more cars and they got more people than anybody. And you can have bad cars. Yeah, well, I mean, I think all racing's been that way and continues to be. You know, good teams are on. We talked about your career early on where Roger Penske didn't have good cars, didn't run good. I'm jumped to yet this weekend. I'm watching the Iowa race in Newgarden out there, and he wins the race on Saturday, going to win the race yesterday, and it breaks. But, they, you know, they, they got different cars. It's... Uh, Every race team that I know that in the NASCAR world, I, I know nothing about the, the IndyCar world except names. But uh, Richard Childress, Joe Gibbs Racing, Penske Racing, Rick Hendrick, they've all went through what we call an off year. Well, look what Stuart Haas is going through right now. Yes, yes, Stuart Haas They're is off. a perfect example. Yeah. And I was asking a couple of those owners one day, I, on a not same day, different occasions. I'm trying to get more educational than I used to be when I was driving. <laughs> it's like, w- tell me how you can dominate one year, and then you can't hit your ass the next year. And they go, well, that's really simple. After you, and we're better at it now than we used to. But it, when we were winning races, we didn't think we needed to be any better. I mean, we didn't work any harder on our cars. You know, we just we were winning, winning, winning. Except yeah. what we didn't realize, the guys behind us were not only working harder and smarter, they drove past us. Yeah, they and caught we, up with you and passed yeah, you. Yeah, they caught up and passed us, and we hadn't done anything to develop. And it took us a year to catch back up. So, yeah, and it's like what I just, it's like what I said, you know, a little while ago. It's not, you know, they didn't just put a spring rubber in it and all of a sudden they're winning races. They changed, you know, 50 50 little things is what made the difference. Not, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to change the, I'm going to change the front spring and put a spring rubber in the rear and all of a sudden they're, they're dominating races. It's, it's a whole bunch, it's all the little details that make the difference. Mm -hmm. And if you stop, stop developing and stop, searching for those little details the others the other guys are going to catch up and pass you right 
without a doubt. So as uh, the program with Frank Cece goes, where, where does it go to, and where where does it stop at? Well, I ran I ran a, a eight eight or nine races. I ran at Daytona and had a you know I qualified obviously, but the very very back. And but I, I was able to draft up, and I I got into the top ten at uh, Daytona. I think you might have been in the race too. Well, I was. You know, time. you were nice enough, or you were at that particular time. You were. Uh, I had a little bit of success at the speedways, and you were. Yeah, uh, you, you were. You were, were like struggling, struggling a little bit, and you said, "Hey, do me a favor. Go, go, drive that car a couple laps, and just tell me if it's me or it's the car." You know, and uh, it was the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but, thanks. But, but you were you were modest enough to not have you know too big an ego to think that it was you know you come and I thought it was very nice of you at that time. It made me feel good. I know that and. Because Paul Tracy was the man, you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I remember yeah. when I was driving so, Legends cars, right? Same thing. Uh, a, a legit, well, it was Phil Parsons. He got in my Legends car and made me look like a booger. So they said, it's you, not the yeah. car. <laughs> well, <laughs> in this particular case, it was the car. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I can. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, Daytona was probably my best run that I had. I ended up getting, you know, spun around. There was a, something happened and somebody got in the back of me and spawn it screwed up the front balance and but uh you know we ran uh, i ran a bunch of mile and a half vegas uh texas um i ran at talladega um you know and it just you know you know how it is back then i mean there was the big the big mega teams were in there with a lot of sponsorship in uh in nascar and you know all the big stars were running nationwide at that time so to try to beat those guys when one when you don't know what you're doing and two you're, you're in a, a little tiny team that's you know just barely making it along and it was it was, it was a lot to take on and i, I actually didn't I, I mean i enjoyed it but i didn't enjoy running badly so i decided to just dive head first back into my indycar career and, and then the split merged back together and uh, then I was left without a seat. And then from from then on, I was really just taking scraps. I was, you know, racing, you know, two or three times a year. They, a team would pick me up and have me, you know, run at Toronto or or run at uh, Edmonton, which was, you know, my um, me being from Canada, I'd I'd jump in a car and you know finish in the top five and think that was going to get me a deal. And a deal never came around. You know, it's just uh, I, I ran the Indy 500 a couple couple times with Geico and finished well and uh, never really raced full-time again. I just kind of like hopped in cars here and there from, from 08 till 2011. And then uh, that, that race in Vegas when, when Dan got killed, but that's, that's when I decided to retire. Let me, let me back up before we talk about Dan there for a second and we might have to continue to the next segment, but Put me in the right perspective because I've read about this. I remember seeing pictures about it, but I don't remember the details. I don't know if it was when you were driving for Jerry Forsyth there at the players' deal. At one point, somewhere in Canada, or you, the, you had a love-hate relationship with. I use that word. I don't know if that's true or not. Love-hate <laughs> relationship with some fans or whatever. And did, did you put on a, like a wrestling mask and a cape or something like that to do driver intro or something with? Or am well, I thinking I, that's wrong? I had a I had a very tumultuous relationship with Sebastian Bourdais, you know, French guy, four-time IndyCar champion. He was a, a phenomenal driver, but him and I were like oil and water. We did not get along, 
at all. So him and I were always battling and butting heads and hitting each other, going back and forth in the press. And he says this and you said that. And uh, we had a race that was uh, before we were going up to, to Canada to race in Montreal. And uh, I got into it with uh, a friend of mine from Canada, Alex Tagliani. Him and I got into an accident and we were both mad at each other and a fist fight broke out in the pit lane between us. And I, you know, it was just a whole bad deal all around. And then, you know, we're going into Canada, which is a big deal, but we're going to Montreal, which was Tagliani's hometown. And, and then uh, Sebastian Bourdais being French, they, uh, they decided to beat up on me in, in the press. And I, I show up at the track, Mike, and there's like 40 media members standing at my truck waiting to talk to me because all week, they're bad mouthing me in, in the in the papers, right? So, they uh, they want a comment from me, and and uh, you know, I basically said some smart words back to them, and then like the fans of the French Canadian fans are booing me hey, and hey, hissing Paul? at me. And, <laughs> hold you know. hold that on the French Canadian fans booing you. We need to take a break. We'll come come back and finish the segment, but I want to hear this whole story. <laughs> it <laughs> may come to blows. We'll yeah. <laughs> We're talking to Paul Tracy. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Brady Mechanical Services, HVAC install, maintenance, and repair. Brady Mechanical Service at gmail.com. One more segment with Paul Tracy. And once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, I got to get Jeff Kent off the top rail. He's up on the top of the turnbuckle. He's, he's intense to hear how this goes. So take us back to the. The journalists are giving you a hard time. You got everybody's having a deal in yeah, there. Yeah, every, every, so. everybody's everybody's all over me. Fans are screaming and yelling at me, calling me every every name under the sun. And the media's the French Canadian media's doing it. The the French drivers in the field are doing it. And and we come out for for race. And uh, a friend of mine actually found some wrestling mask in town, and it matched my driver's uniform. And he's like, "Hey, put this on. It'll be funny, right?" So. <laughs> I go out in the parade lap, and you know, you ride around the track in the back of a pickup truck for all the fans before the before the race. And I put this mask on, and you know, all the fans were like yelling, and and all of a sudden they they love wrestling in in, in Quebec, right? So I uh, put this mask on, and I'm hamming it up, and and they just all of a sudden they started cheering for me. I loved it. <laughs> so I kind of I kind of won them over, and then. Uh, you know, kind of just flipped the script on them, you know, and uh, and then I had a great race that race. I ended up finishing second to uh, to Sebastian Bourdais. It was a rain race. It was real tricky. And and uh, I had a great day and it, it started out the weekend, started out really on a really bad note. And it was real negative and hostile towards me. And then by the end of the weekend, I, I had won won the fans back over. So it was it just it was a good weekend. Well, that, that would say you went from a hate to love relationship there, right? Flair on yeah. Him. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that that was great. I I, I remember seeing vaguely parts of that, but uh, I really should have cool. I, I should have got the wrestling mask out for this SRX because yeah. I got I got beat around for I got beat around for six weeks by everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. Sometimes stuff goes that way. So let's just jump right towards end because we're going to run out of time and. Gosh, I've had so much fun talking to you and learning so much about you and your career. Because you mentioned earlier to start 
I, well, as I was cutting grass, I'm thinking about the roll, the Rolls Royce with the <laughs> golf with the cart go, hanging out the, the back. Cart. You know, and it's like, man, there are some fun stories there. But uh, so you went back IndyCar racing. You come into what? Were we at 2011 now or something like that? You were yeah, saying? yeah, yeah, yeah. I raced. I, I was only doing a handful of races a year, and, and it was now it was now with smaller teams, and and you know I was working with Doug and and trying to find. I was having to raise the money to to, to race and not really getting paid very much and not, not accustomed to what I was used to. You know, I was right. used to making big money and, uh, you know, doing well and being in a position to win races. And now you're in the middle of the pack and, and just struggling to make it happen. And wasn't what I was used to, but you know, the end of the, the end of the day, I mean, my career, it didn't end the way that I wanted it to. And I don't know if it really does for anybody. Some people, you know, I think Mario's Mario Andretti's the only guy that got to have an Arrivederci tour and go out the way that he wanted to go out and and finish his career. But you know, you know how it is. Anything can happen at any time, Mike. You can get hurt. You can bust your leg. You can, you know, you could lose your sponsor, and it can all be over. And and you know, that's we went to this race in Vegas and a and a you know big accident. You know, fifteen cars involved and cars are in the wall and in the fence and you're you know, your couple of your friends are hurt real bad and one of them ends up dying. And, you know, my, my, my parents came to me and, you know, my people that I'm close with and said, look, you know, you're 40 years old. It's, you're 41 years old and you've done it all. You've won all the races you've wanted to win. You've won a championship. What, you know, what else do you need? You know? And, And I reluctantly agreed with them. You know, I, I wasn't ready to retire and, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't at the point. I just thought I could still win races if I had the opportunity to get in a top-notch car again. And but I never got that opportunity, and and I was a bitter bitter about it for a long time, Mike. I mean, I went home and my marriage ended over it. You know, I was in a pissed-off mood all the time, and you know, around the house. And my wife at the time got fed up with me being pissed off and left. And uh, you know, I had a hard time. <laughs> I, yeah, I had a hard time with it for 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 quite a while, and then and then the TV deal came along, and it, it got me back to the racetrack and uh, around my fans, and and I grew into really really liking doing doing that, and then uh, I never thought in a million years I would be a be a TV announcer. I never even thought about it one time, you know, because so, so I wasn't did, really I wasn't really a big talker. You so know? did they approach you at NBC and say, "Hey, Paul, we think you'd be good at this." Well, I start. I started doing some stuff for Canadian TV uh, on a pre-race show that they had, and and then obviously then then they saw that I I could do live TV, and uh, one day um, that time they had Wally Dallenbach Jr. was was doing the IndyCar races with NBC, and he was doing NASCAR, and he had a something going on with his daughter, and they they called me and said, hey, do you want to come announce at the Long Beach race? Wally's got a conflict and uh, we'd love you to come do this. We, we only ask you to do one thing and that's don't swear on air. <laughs> so I, uh, I went and did it. Uh, and then it, eight years went by of doing the same thing, you know, and then I kind of, kind of forgot about driving and, you know, it was kind of driving was on, you know, on the back of my, it wasn't on the front of my mind anymore. It was in the back of my mind. And, 
And then the, the next thing you know, this SRX deal comes around and I decided to give it a go. And I, you know, I didn't realize how much I actually, how much I'd really missed being behind the wheel and, and, uh, racing with guys. And I've kind of found, found my passion for driving again. Yeah. Well, it definitely would do that. I'm sure. And you've, you had a great career, man. I know it's, you know, we, everybody uh, deals with the ups and downs and challenges and, uh, so I'm assuming or hoping you're in a good place now. You said you were, dep- you know, kind of bummed out because you couldn't race, but you got that television deal. I mean, that's a great honor. You did that for eight years, you said. I mean, get out of car, get in television. Right. Then you get invited to the SRX series. So you said the SRX thing kind of reminded you that you still love to drive race cars. Do you think that uh, maybe you'll get back into that at some point or at some level? Or- well, I mean, I've just done, you know, the two seasons now of, of uh, SRX, and they have they have one more year on their on their CBS deal. And I hope I hope they can pull it off. But like anything, guys, you know, it's, it takes money to run these cars, and they need to find more money, and they need to find more sponsors. And uh, so we'll wait and see whether that happens. Um, you know, I know Tony's committed to it, and everybody involved wants to see a third season. I think everybody loves it that watches it, but you know, loving it and having the money and the sponsorship are two different things right so you know they need to they need to start working on on next year and 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 bring this thing up to another level you know yeah so let me ask you on that note uh and the reason i'm asking you this i i went about a month and a half ago i went up to vir and tested a road race car for two days yeah i I was supposed to go run the wrl series race down in daytona 14-hour endurance race and it's a little what I call the WRL series is a little cheap amateur type class. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. enjoyed it. I just had really fun. You know, it wasn't like I was really going to make any money doing it, but I just got me out, got my competitive juices. Do you think you'll, do you have the interest to do anything like that or do any club racing or any type of road racing or any, any type of racing? I mean, it's just. I mean, I would, I would like to do some, I mean, obviously in Indy cars, I can't do that anymore. One, I'm too old. and Two, I won't fit in a car anymore. <laughs> so, um, I would well, at like least you're to honest some, about that. Too. I would like to do some, a little bit more sports car racing. You know, my, my biggest problem right now is I've had some sports car teams interested in me driving for them at the at the 24 hours of daytona and doing things but my problem i have is they have this goofy licensing system in imsa and, and you know you have different ratings of drivers bronze silver gold and i'm still a gold and they won't downgrade me from it and you know you're not that desirable they what they want is silvers and bronze guys and and what you can only have one gold in the class that that i want to race in and uh you know, so at 50, you're supposed to be able to downgrade your license to silver. And I, I tried to do that at 50 and they wouldn't do it. And I tried to do it last year and they wouldn't do it. And they just said, I'm too qualified to be a, be a silver. Cause a silver is like an, as an amateur driver and a, and a bronze is a, is a beginner driver and gold is, is, is the highest and platinum is, is formula one or IndyCar. And I had a platinum license and then I got downgraded to gold and then I tried to downgrade to silver, but they won't, they won't downgrade me from gold. So they say you're too qualified. You're Just not, tell them you don't not, see so good. You're not anymore. a, you're not an amateur. You're not an amateur driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what is the, what is the deal? Isn't it insurance policies or something over 50? You're considered a senior or an elder or I don't, silver. Yeah, or just, 
certainly a health risk. Now you're making sense because uh, Ron Fellows told me about that, and I could not understand what he was talking about about these licenses and all that. And it's like, what are you yeah, talking it's a, about? Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird system, and and it's very, you know, it's just. It's a weird system, and there's a lot of drivers that should be gold that are still at silver. It's very confusing, but you know, I, I, I would like I said, I would like to do more, more, uh, you know, sports car racing if I could. But I, my license status right now is not, you know, they're not looking for a 54, 53 year old gold driver. They, gotcha. they want a their gold driver. They want is like a twenty three year old, twenty five year old, not a fifty three year old. Yeah. So. In the few minutes we got left here, what's Paul Tracy going to do? We don't know what the SRX thing is going to bring for anybody next year. So what are you, what are you going to do now since the SRX season's over? You got any other things of interest, any business you're working on, any partnerships? Yeah, I mean, and- I, got, I got a lot of stuff that goes – I mean, I'm, for whatever reason, I'm as busy as I've ever been. I've got, you know, some rental properties. I've got an apartment complex. I've got, you know, spend a lot of time with my girlfriend – now and it's it's her birthday i've just carted her around all over the country for six weeks and eat and you know eating at truck stops and <laughs> driving to track driving to fairgrounds tracks that are two and a half hours from the closest airport and you know you know <laughs> sitting in rental cars so waiting, you've spoiled waiting, her is what you said yeah so <laughs> uh it's her birthday coming up next week so we have a vegas trip planned for her birthday and spoil nice. her a little bit and and uh, give her some time back because she, you know, she was a trooper. Followed me around the last two seasons of this, and you know, had my water there for me, had my ice, and had every, you know, a cold towel for me, and, and you know, so I need to, I need to, I got some honeydews to do. Well, that's wonderful. Well, Sounds good. You uh, life is good, my friend. Paul Tracy's having a good life. <laughs> Take care of the girlfriend. She'll be nice to you. And, uh, man, thank you for taking the time and, and rejoin us for part two. I, I don't know if it means anything to you or not, but uh, you're our first part two guest we've ever had. So We can we, usually wrap it up in one segment, Paul. Yeah, we couldn't do that with you. <laughs> so uh, we appreciate it very much. And uh, what do you say? Thanks. Best of luck. Oh, well, yeah. It's great. It's great being on with you guys. And uh, we got to get you got We got to get you. Hopefully, if the SRX deal comes together, Mike, we need to get you out there and have oh, you yeah. run some laps? That's Man, what I'm saying. I, yeah. I, would, I would love to do that. I, I sent a note uh, when that first started, but I never got a response, so I just figured I wasn't a big enough name. I'll bring the, I'll bring <laughs> the cooler. Yeah. Jeff may not be my girlfriend, I mean, but we'll have a damn good time. I'm hanging out drinking beer with Kenny yeah, Schrader. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was I was disappointed this last race. I was like, came out of there, and I was like, I finished 10th. That sucked. And then after I had a day to think about it, I looked at the finishing order and I saw Dave Blaney, track owner, Hall of Fame sprint car driver, finished 11th behind me. I said, so I said, you know what? I'm racing against guys like this is bucket list, and I I beat Dave Blaney on on the track he owns. That's right. And this guy's the best in the dirt that he one of the best in, that there ever was. And so he owns the track. Can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Paul, just keep this in mind, if you would, as we close out here. And this is a huge compliment to you. And if you're ever sitting around thinking, oh, I'm not feeling really good about myself or something, you've been invited to race for the last two years with the best race, some of the best racers in the country. And uh, congratulations. You got invited to do it. You participated in it. And uh, uh, glad you enjoyed it. And uh, take your girlfriend to Vegas. Have some fun, my friend. Yes, sir. You enjoy it. 
You deserve it. All right. Thanks, guys. You bet. Thanks there he goes. Me. The thrill from West Hill, Paul Tracy. Once again, you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.